Thank you. Wow. <laughs> okay, how many times have you ever been to a church where the, they're making fun of the pastor for dressing up? <laughs> that is classic. You know, I told Andy when I got here this morning, uh, seriously, in three years of our existence, I never once actually thought of wearing anything but jeans or shorts. And this week, I just felt different. So, <laughs> there you go. I'm my own person. <clears throat> All right. Oh, you guys, it, this is fun, man. It's going to be a fun day today, and because uh, we're looking at what I think, what I would call is, we're, so why am I here? And, you know, we're looking for more, kind of like looking at what our sweet spot is. You know, sometimes you just find, like, man, have you ever found your sweet spot? Kind of like, you know, it's not too hard, it's not too soft, not too cold, it's not too hot, you know, the little uh, Goldilocks thing. Um, and so I found, my, I found a sweet spot this morning. My wife bought a new toothbrush for me. And, uh, oh yeah. And uh, so, and it was amazing. You know, I put the Colgate on there, I started brushing my teeth, I'm like, oh my, oh. I mean, this was a toothbrush experience like I've never had before in my life. And I, and I just thought, man, I'm brushing my teeth like five times a day. If it can be like this. I mean, because have you ever had that, you know, right, where your toothbrush is too soft? You know, and you're like, is this even doing anything? And then you buy the hard bristle and your gums are bleeding when you're done, you know. And, uh, but, man, when you find the sweet spot, you're like, this is what this was made for. And there's lots of times when that gal says, why not? It's because sometimes people make things right, and you just go, why did you even make that to serve this purpose? It doesn't work. And when we look at this, I love this video. You know, and, and the reason I love this video is because I feel like it's us. Was that, could you not relate to that video? And here's why I think it's us. Because all of us live really, most of us anyway, live really full lives. You know, we're really busy. And mostly with good things. You know, we're working at our job, or we're staying at home with our family, and we're loving on our family. We, we got recreation that we like to do. We're running errands. You know, we're, we're, we're getting beer. And, and uh, we're, we're working on projects and stuff. Um, and they're all, just, they're all just good stuff. And then, and then you get cold cocked with this question. Like, what would have happened if you were at Gateway? You know? And you were just there to go shopping or, you know, or shopping or, you know, buy uh, or going to, to the skybox. And someone came to you and said, hey, so why are you really here? Why are you here on earth? I love their answers. That's mystical. That's too intense. I don't really know. Good question. And I, and I love the lady. She goes, you know what? I'm going to need some time. Now, now, why is that? So here's my thought. I wonder if we might fill up our lives with a lot of things that don't answer that question. You think that might be true? So here we are, we're busy, and it's good. I'm working, I'm spending time with my family, I'm running errands, I'm taking care of all this stuff. But someone comes and says, but why are you really here? And you, you go, whoa, 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 okay. I have to think about that one. Why am I really here? And I think that there's a potential that we spend most of our time doing things that aren't our ultimate purpose for our life. And we give our life to things that are good. And you guys, just so you know, is it, it's good to be with your family. It's good to work. It's good to run your errands and, and take care of things. But could there be something deeper and bigger, a greater purpose, that we're just not even aware of? Because that's what I got out of that video. 
Every one of them, do you notice that? They all said, I think there's a purpose. But they weren't aware of it in the midst of their daily life. And that's what we want to look at today. So, sometimes, though, we are aware, right? Sometimes we are aware there's something missing. It's like a hunger pain, right? When you get hungry, something inside of you lets you know that. Now, most of us in America probably never actually had a hunger pain, but hunger pains, you know, that because why? And why does the hunger pain come? Because if you don't eat, you die. And so there's something intrinsically inside us, I think God placed in there, says you better eat because I made you that way. <laughs> and so every once in a while what happens is we have this other hunger that rises up within us, and that's why we did this series, Wishing There Was More. Every once in a while I think that people are aware that there's something missing. And it feels like a hunger pain. And I think just as you experience physical hunger, I believe we experience spiritual hunger. And if that's you today, if you're here this morning and you've come to church and part of you is just going, I'm glad we're doing this series because I do feel like there's something missing. I would say that's because God designed you as well to know that you were created for something more. And the hunger sometimes comes to let us know that. And that's when we get to the place where, this, where we sing that song, which is awesome. And I don't know if you caught the words, but there's got to be something more. Got to be more than this. I need a little less hard time. I need a little more bliss. I'm going to take my chances, take a chance I might, that I might find what I'm looking for. There's got to be something more. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into, as the video said, that intense, mystical, really good question. And I'm hoping that what you'll understand and what I will understand today is that if you feel like you're not spending time on your purpose, if you're not sure what it is, I want to tell you right now today, you could be. You could be. You could wake up in the morning and go bed it, to bed at night knowing why you're here and knowing that you just lived that day for that purpose. And that's what I'm hoping will happen today. Now, obviously, I'm not going to convince you of squat, so we're going to pray. And I just want to ask you, while I pray, pray. I don't know you, most of you. I don't know your situation. I don't know where you're at on your spiritual journey. But I want to give you a chance, as I'm praying for us corporately, to pray individually and say, hey, God, would you maybe reveal to me if there's something missing in my life and what that could be to make it fulfilled? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for every person who's here. It's not a mistake. You are intimately aware of everyone here. You thought of them. You created them. You know them. I believe they're here today because you want to be with them today. And so I just ask, God, that you would speak to every heart about this issue of why am I here? And what am I doing? And am I really living out my purpose? And we just ask for, for I, just, I ask for just for an anointing, God, today, that your presence would be real and felt, that we wouldn't just talk about you today. I'm asking that every person here would engage with you today so that we can live why we were meant to live. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's the deal. You are at church, so, and this is a Christian church, so we're going to talk about Jesus. <laughs> now, there's lots of reasons we talk about Jesus. There's lots of reasons we look to him. But one of the reasons we look to Christ is because in Jesus Christ, we see the example of what it could be to be human, fully human. 
because he was fully God. Fully God. Enmeshed in flesh. So we get to see what it's like for a human being to not make a mistake, to do what is right, to live with power, and to live with purpose. So that's what I want to do today. I want to take a look at him and see if by looking at Christ, we might be able to figure out why we're here and, and what our purpose is. And so when you look at Jesus, what do you see? Well, obviously there's lots of things that we see. What I want to talk about today is this. When John was writing in his book, he said, we have seen the glory of the one and only. We have seen God in flesh. And so when you saw this, when you saw Jesus in the midst of everything that he did, and he did lots of really great stuff, at the core, what I want to talk about today, I think what you'll see is that how Jesus lived was in relationship with the Father. The Son of God was in relationship with the Father God. And it's really the coolest thing to me about Jesus' whole existence on this planet. They were one. Everything that the Father wanted to do, that's what Jesus did. In fact, he said, I never do anything on my own. <laughs> but I only do whatever the Father tells me to do. And here's what's really cool about Jesus, is he said all the time, you know what, you guys? The Father loves me. The Father loves me. Oh, hey, can I tell you something? The Father loves me. Did you know that only one time in the Gospels does it say, I love the Father? Isn't that interesting? I love that. Because I wonder, when you wake up in the morning, is the first thing when you think about God is, oh yeah, he loves me. Can I just tell you again, you know God loves me? Oh, the Father loves me. See, I don't think we think that way. What we think mostly is, man, I gotta do, but what Jesus knew was there was an intimacy with the Father, and because he was so loved and he knew that, it was very obvious for Jesus just to reciprocate that love to the Father. They were one. He loves me, I love him. That's how the Trinity works in perfect love and in perfect relationship with each other. So, in John 14, 31, Jesus says this, the world, and that would be you and me, the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Exactly. You and I must learn that Jesus loved the Father. And that he did exactly whatever he commanded him. Now why? Here's why. Because I want to propose to you this morning why you're here and why I'm here. And I think it's so you and I can have the same type of relationship with God. We are here, you guys, to know him, to be in a relationship with him. And the way I want to kind of package that today, I think we're here to say yes to God. I think we are here on this planet, to say yes to God. Yes first to his love. Yes, I will receive everything you want to give me. And yes, I will reciprocate that by loving you. Right? What's the Bible say? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else falls underneath that. And that's why we're here. To receive it, say, yes, God, love me. I bring it on. And yes, God, I'm going to love you. And whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do that's how Jesus lived his life. And now here's what's great about that, you guys, is it doesn't matter if you're working, it doesn't matter if you're staying at home, it doesn't matter if you're a student, it doesn't matter where you live or where you work, what level you're at or what you do at all. This is a general thing for all of us. And yet, at the same time, on the other side of the coin, I want to say, no, actually, it really does matter. 
And I hope you know this by the time you're done today. It matters where you live. It matters where you work. It matters what you do. It matters what you study. It matters what you are with your family. All of that actually really does matter to God. And what I don't want you to know is it matters to him. And he has ideas and he has plans for you. So how do we find it? How do I find why I'm here? Both generally as a human being, and why I'm here specifically, David Michael Nelson, and why you're here. And I'm going to tell you, the way you find why you're here is you simply say yes to God. You say yes to Him. Anybody here last week? How many of you here last week? One thing, please help me to know that my message wasn't in vain. One goal for you. What is it? Thank you. To believe. To believe God. Yeah, we're going to do lots of things, but all I want to know is that you and I are saying yes to God. Because if we say yes to God, everything else is going to fall into place. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you through Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 26. And we're going to look at this piece of Christ and then see how we live this out. Here we go. Chapter 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Now let's go back to verse 21. Twice in this verse, Jesus says that there's two things that he must do. I must go to Jerusalem, and I must be killed, right? And I must be raised again. Third, on the third day, be raised to life. Can I just ask you this? Have you ever felt like there was something that you must do? Anybody in here ever feel like that? Where you feel like, I, I, I've got to do this. And it's something that you must do, and it's not like gain the whole world, <laughs> okay? Wouldn't that be great if everything we felt we must do was to gain more? Have you ever felt that you must do something like Jesus was? I must go to Jerusalem to suffer. I must go to be killed. I must do that. Have you ever felt in your spirit, in the deep place of your soul, that there was something that you must do, and you did not want to do it. Now, that's a really, really, for me, scary place to be. Because if it's something that you must do and it's not your idea, that means it was something that wasn't motivated from your heart, but it was something that came from outside of you and said, you must do this. You feel so out of control. And there's something driving you inside of you that feels like you got to do this, and you hate it. I remember the first time for me, you guys, was when I was 11 years old, and I sat in that church service, 
And they asked for anyone who felt like they wanted to receive Jesus Christ into their life and devote their life to follow Christ, come forward. Oh, God. All I felt was, I must do that. And right alongside was it, I don't want to do that. The very thought of having to come in front of the whole church, the thought of having to go excuse me through my brothers and sisters and my mom and dad, I hated the every thought of it. And yet there was something inside of me that says, you must, David. You must. What do you do? What have you done? When you've sensed something outside of you saying, you must do this, and you've hated the very thought of it, have you ever said yes? Or have you always said no? You know, it was interesting. That was when I was 11. You know, after receiving Christ, I basically sinned like a banshee through my high school years. And, and then um, was in this relationship for about four and a half years. And I loved this girl. That was the problem because she was like my God. I mean, she was everything to me. It was just this one small problem. She really just didn't want to have anything to do with God. And I didn't care. Four and a half years, I poured my life into that person. I loved her. And then all of a sudden, one day, God just made it very clear, David, you must end that relationship. Oh, man. Worst day of my life. I hated it. I wept (laughs) all the way there and all the way home. It was horrifying experience for me. When you feel like you must do something and you hate it and you don't want to do it, have you ever said yes to God? You want to find your life? Say yes to God. You want to lose your life? Say no. Say no and keep doing what you've got that you want to do. And what's so interesting, you guys, is when the motivation comes, it's like, so Jesus, for me, it's like he knew his purpose, right? Obviously, he goes, man, I must go to Jerusalem. I must be killed, and I must be raised on the third day. So he knew his purpose. But do you ever think about that? Like, what was the purpose of God? What was the, I mean, not God, but what was the purpose of Jesus Christ as God? What was it? Well, there's lots of things. I was at a conference. You guys, some of you were probably at the Truth Project, right? And the guy asked us, and he said, well, was, what was, why did Jesus come? Well, there's tons of answers. He came to testify to the truth, to seek and save the lost, to give his life away, to be the savior of the world, just a kind of a tiny little, you know, responsibility, to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal. And so if you went to Christ, you said, hey, Jesus, what's your one thing? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if he, how he would answer that, because don't you feel that way? What's your purpose? If you're going to ask me, Dave, hey, what's your purpose in life? I'm like, how do I really answer that? I, I'm, I'm supposed to be a husband to my wife, supposed to be a father to my children, I'm supposed to be the pastor of this church, and as the pastor of this church, there's lots of different things you could do, right? Uh, One of my responsibilities is to do this, is to teach to you. Another one is I'm supposed to lead. But now also it's like, and am I only supposed to care about K2? Or do I also have a responsibility to care about other churches in the valley? What's my purpose, (laughs) you know? And I don't know about you, but you can find that out too, and you just want to say, man, God, what's my one thing? My one deal. Seems like Jesus had that. You guys, you know what? You're going to get so sick of me these next few weeks. The one thing, your purpose in life is to say yes to God. Why did Jesus touch the sick? Because the Father said, touch them. 
Why did Jesus go to Jerusalem? Because the Father said, you go. Why did Jesus teach the truth and testify to it? Because that's what the Father told him. Jesus just said, yes, Father, yes, 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 yes. And that was his purpose. And then it got lived out. And the greatest thing that ever happened in all the history of the world, the salvation of men and women, happened because Jesus always said yes to his Father. Your one thing that you need to do is simply say yes to God. And that's how you find it. Let's say you finally decide to do that. Can you imagine? You're sitting here today. You had no idea. You're like, yeah, yeah, I'll go to church. All right, we'll go to church, sing some songs. And holy smokes, you came to church and you ran into God. <laughs> you know, you know, oh my goodness, what would that happen? I went to church, I ran into God. And he today said, hey, I would love for you to finally start saying yes to me. And you now have had that, maybe that experience where you go, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm done. You got me. I'm yours. Take me. What happens right after Jesus says, hey, here's what I got to do. I must go to Jerusalem, and I must die and be killed and all that good stuff. What happens, look at verse 22. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. And Peter turned to, or Jesus turned to Peter, and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Can I ask you, how many of you have a Peter in your life? Anybody, any of you ever get to this point where you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do, I'm going to say yes to God. And somebody comes into you and they say, never. That shall never happen to you. You shall never find what you were made for, to do. You shall never do what you must do. And you know what's interesting? Is lots of times with the people who love you. You guys know our Peter was Jesus' right-hand man, right? See, because they love you and they have this wonderful plan for your life, right? And the last thing they want to see you do is suffer. The last thing they want to see you do is lose something. And so God says, well, actually, man, that's the plan I have for you. You finally decide to do it. And somebody outside of you says, no. There's this voice that says, no. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have a Peter living inside you? Okay. Now that's even the louder voice, right? Because every time you hear the voice of God and you're like, okay, I'm going to do it, inside you screams, never. Are you kidding me? Sit back down. Sit back down. Don't go up there. Don't pray with them. Don't sign up for that. Never, far be it that you should ever actually do what you must do. Don't you dare, don't you dare experience what God created you for. And I'd sit there and I'd think, oh my gosh, how dangerous a voice. What a bummer. If that voice, whether it's external or internal, is so loud and so controlling that we actually listen to it instead of the voice of God. And we all know we do. And we say no to God all the time. And you guys, the voice that tries to get us to say no, if this, here's Jesus, what, is, what does he say that voice is? Could it be Satan? <laughs> he says to his best friend, he calls his best friend Satan. How many of you have ever done that? <laughs> yeah, I do that to Eric all the time but it's just for fun. But, and he looks at his best friend and he says, get behind me, Satan. Why? 
Because, Peter, you don't have in mind the things of God. Well, what are the things of God? You guys, the things of God at its core, number first, is to love. To love. Like I said before, the whole law is summed up on this. Love God. Love others. And so what that means is it's they're not living for yourself. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve, to give his life away. You love. The greatest thing is love. You can be all these wonderful religious things, and if you don't have love, you have nothing, nothing. It's always living for the glory of the other. And I'm telling you, that's why when you're sitting there in your marriage or in any other relationship, and you're feeling this voice inside of you that says to give yourself away, there's always one right on the heels of it saying, are you crazy? Don't. But the ways of God are to love. The mind of God is to love. It's also to fight. Did you guys know that God is a warrior? He's a warrior. You know, and again, we've seen this Jesus on this video flowing around in his robe. You know, who would know? Oh, there's an ant. Oh. And he touches and, he, and he's just, he's so sensitive to everything. Yes. Is Jesus sensitive? Way more than you and I will ever be. I'm telling you this. Jesus is a warrior more than you and I ever will be. Well, what does he fight against? He fights against anything that's evil. He doesn't just go, yeah, Satan, go ahead and have your way and destroy these people's lives. No. He fought against it. He fights against injustice. He fights for everything that is good. He doesn't just sit back and do religious stuff. No, he was a warrior. You don't have in mind the things of God. Because we just sit back and we just let horrible things happen. The mind of God fights for compassion and it fights for the truth about what we're really here for. No, instead, Jesus looks at Peter or Satan and he says, you have in mind the things of men. Now, what are those? These are really easy, actually. The first one that came to my mind is self-protection. You guys know we have this thing, it's called capital S, capital E, capital L, capital F. And it is a four-letter word. Self is our problem. You have in mind the things of man. And man always thinks about himself. Every decision I make is something that's going to be good for me. And I'm not going to go there because that might hurt. Or that might not be good for me. And you protect yourself. The things, the mind of man caters to our pride. To our prestige. To self-aggrandizement. To comfort what, are you kidding me? You're going to do that and not, no way, you're going to go ahead and be second or you're going to be like last? Don't ever do that. Don't take the humbling position. I always thought that. It was so interesting to me when I was in uh, the church I was in a long time ago that whenever a pastor got a new appointment, it was always always interesting to me that it was always a better one that was more prestigious and got more money. And I always thought, man, if you really, is it really true that no pastor is ever called to a lesser position? No. Are you kidding me? Because there's something inside of us that says, no, I need to be this. And here's Jesus saying, what? No, let me show you. I'm going to flip this all upside down. I'm the one who's on my knees. I'm the one who washes feet. I'm the one who serves. I'm the one who's last. You want to be great? Be last. No! Our flesh just goes, no. And here's the other one. Here's the, the mind of man. You need to be in control. You need to be in control. Are you kidding me? 
surrender your life to God? Come on, tell me you haven't ever felt that challenge from God and had your spirit rise up within you and say, no. I'm telling you guys, this is the spiritual battle. The spiritual battle inside you and inside of me is we are battled and tempted every moment of every day to say no to God, to love something more than him, to love someone more than him, and obviously to love ourselves more than him. So here you go. You're going to have Peters in your life who are going to try to tell you, don't do it. Never, never find your purpose for your life. And then we go to the next verse, verses 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. You can find it. You can find why you are here your life, and your purpose. And what is it, you guys? Again, I believe in general, our purpose as a human being is that God created us so he could love on us, so that we could be in a relationship so filled, so loved on by God that we reciprocate it back to him to the point where we actually become one with him too. The Bible talks about keeping step with the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk with God. And that's what's the amazing thing, you guys, because then when you're walking with God, not doing what you know, the human mind wants to do, but saying yes to the mind of God and the things of God, you know what happens? You start doing what He wants. Your life actually gets to be an example of God's will being done. And, did you, and I say this all you guys know, God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. And next thing you know, that's what your life looks like. People run into you, they see you, and they actually get a chance to see God, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you say yes to God, every time you say yes to God, people in your workplace and in your family and in your neighborhood get a chance to see how good he is. Every time you do something that is asked that God asked you to do, people get to see what God does. Did you guys know, I mean, we are here for his glory. That's why we're here. I'm so bummed it's cold now because my favorite thing in all the world is to sit outside early in the morning and, and have my time with God. And especially when it got dark, you know, I get up in the morning and you go out with your hot cup of coffee and the moon's still out. And I would just look at the moon and go, oh, it's just so beautiful. And then the, the dawn's just starting to come over the mountains and the cool breeze starts to hit you. The birds are chirping. And I'm telling you, I don't know, I, I just sit there and I go, oh, I love this. It's absolute pure pleasure to me. And all I could think of on September 5th, I, one of my times, I go, God, your creation, it just shouts out the glory of God. And then I started to pray, and then, and then it hit me. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, you made me too. I'm your creation. And I'm supposed to shout out your glory too. And when I have in mind the things of men, I don't. And when I have in mind the things of God, I do. And you were created and I was created to live a life not separate with him so that we could live a life that shouts out the goodness and the rightness and the love and the joy and the peace and the patience 
and the kindness and the self-control of God. That's why we're here, generally. And I tell you guys now, specifically, too. Do you guys? So that's what we're all supposed to do. But you know what? Specifically, you have a deal. See, because I'm made in a unique way that you aren't. I believe that every person, every one of us in here, is a unique expression of God waiting to happen. That when he actually gets to live in our life and through us, we get to see a part of God that nobody else can be. And think about it, you guys. Nobody, you guys don't have my heart and my dreams, my longings. You don't have my superior intellect. You know, I mean, no, I mean, we all have, we, and, and you know, you know, Chad's laughing because he knows me. The rest of you are thinking, does he think he's smart? Um, we all have a certain level of intellect, a certain personality that nobody else has, abilities and passions I have experiences you don't have. I have relationships I know people you don't know. And the same is true about you, different from me. And I'm telling you, God gave them to you. Do you know the Bible says that the time that you were supposed to live and the place where you were supposed to live was designed by God? And so was your personality and your gifts and your passions. The whole thing was knit together by God so that he could, if you would actually do this with him, he could show himself in Salt Lake City in 2007, in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, and in your family. And I'm not going to your school. I'm not at your workplace. I don't live in your neighborhood. I got my deal. You got your deal. And are you going to find out what that is and why you work there, why you're in that neighborhood, why you're in your family? God has a reason. So you guys, how? All this happens when you just start to discover, oh my God, this is why I'm here. It happens when you, what did Jesus say? If anyone comes after me, he must deny him. Oh, great. Self. And you must take up your cross, which means dying to yourself, and you must lose your life. And you guys, there's the battle. Come on, how many of us go, I can't wait to deny myself today. I can't wait to take up my cross and be killed today. I can't wait just to lose my dreams and my life today. No, everything within human nature says no to God. Every part of us. Can I, and here's this haunting statement that Jesus ends this place with. He says, some of you are gaining the whole world and you're forfeiting your soul. Some of us are still living for ourselves. Okay, we all are. But some (laughs) at a greater degree where your work and your every thought is to increase your own status and to be in control and to do your own thing. And you actually might gain the whole world. And yet you could forfeit your soul. And what Jesus says, if you can't say no to the mind of man and the things of man, and if you can't say yes to God, if you're trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you'll lose it for me, you will find it. You will. So you guys, so what's the answer? I'm going to close with this. What's the answer? How do I fight this battle then? 
if everything within me and really everything outside of me is saying, you shall never give up your life. How do I actually give up my life? And I think the answer goes back to that first verse when Jesus said, I must be killed and I must be raised again. Why? Why did he have to do that? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, it says this. Why be killed? Listen to this verse. Christ died for all, and that would mean you and me, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. I must go and be killed. Because if I die somehow, then everybody else could have the opportunity and the possibility of not living for themselves anymore, which destroys everything. You guys, Christ died. You know, in other words, you know why Christ died? You know why he must be killed? He died so you could say yes to God. That's why he died. Did you know he says right after, 2 Corinthians 5, read the whole chapter, amazing stuff. He says, I did this so you could be reconciled to God. Right? Reconciled, you all know what that means. It means to come back into a relationship. And that's what he's saying we can do because, you guys, when you say no to God every day, and if you've always said no to God, then what basically happens is that's called sin, and that means you're separated from God. Does that make sense? I mean, if you're saying no to God all the time, then how are you living like this with God? He just says, I mean, First John says you're fooling yourself. You, you just can't say that. If you're saying no to God, then you're separated from God. And if you're separated from God, you guys, then what needs to happen is this needs to be forgiven somehow to get reconciled. You guys know this, to get reconciled into any relationship, any human relationship. At some point, there needs to be some forgiveness, right? When you've hurt your spouse and you're laying at bed at night existing, cohabitating, what needs to take place to come like this again? You, somebody's got to forgive. If you want to get back to God, then this needs to be forgiven. And so what really needs to happen, you guys, and that's why Jesus says, I got to go die. Because the penalty for saying no to God is being separated from him for eternity. You're going to die. And here's the deal. I don't want you to die. So Jesus paid the price that you should pay. You know, think about it. It'd be like having a great... I might have two brothers, Mark and Mike. It'd be like me getting in trouble all the time and my little brother being willing to go, hey, you know what? Um, actually, I'll take the spanking. Oh, can you imagine having a brother like that? How cool would that be? Can you imagine if your kids did that? Right? Like Mariah gets all in trouble and I'm ready to, you know, to deliver some punishment and Ashlyn comes and says, I'll take it. See, well, here's what happens is. Jesus said that. He goes, dude, you do not want to experience the wrath of God. You don't. So I will. Because God's wrath is going to come on sin. He is going to display his wrath. It is not okay that we say no to him all our life. It's not. So he's going to pour the wrath down. So I tell you what, I'll slip in there and I'll take the wrath. You must go to Jerusalem, Jesus. You must be killed. My wrath for sin must be given. Because I'm a just God. You want to see why I worship Jesus? he took it so I didn't have to. That's good news. That's really, really good news. 
And that needs to happen. Are you ready to absorb the wrath of God for how often you say no to him? I personally am not. <laughs> and we need Christ. He needed to die. But he said, you also must go so that you can be raised again. Well, why? Because Jesus has risen. You guys, he's alive. The Bible says he always lives to intercede for us. So he's always there saying, okay, God, it's good. this guy's good. Got him covered. He always lives, the Bible says, to dwell in your heart through faith. Through the Holy Spirit of God, he raised again. He's alive today, so I don't have to go through one second of any day by myself. So there's this, again, in 2 Corinthians, it's this new creation that's within me. He lives in me to be with me. And here's the last thing, is to empower me. See, because when I feel the prompting of God and he says, do this, and right alongside, right behind it, says this other voice, never. Come on, you guys. Okay. I said this in the first service. Does that, is that not frustrating to you? That you still say no to God? I've been walking with him for 30 stinking years. I'm your pastor. And I still have this thing inside of me that wants to say no to God. Anybody else relate? Sorry, I'm not that holy. But what I know and why it frustrates me is because I do know that any time I've said no to the things of man and every time I've said yes to God, it's good. Every time I've died to myself and accepted Christ, I have found my life. I didn't lose it. And I'm telling you, the one who can give you the power, right, to say no to the voice of Peter was who? Jesus. Come on, the rest of us are going to go, oh my God, I can't believe God's asking me to do this. And somebody else is going to say, yeah, you should never do that. Okay, good, all right, thanks. And we're going to listen to that voice. What, today, give my life to Christ? Today, say yes to God? Right now, your flesh is going, don't, don't, don't. And you're going to listen to it because you're human. The only one who doesn't listen to that voice is Jesus Christ. Apart from Christ, I am nothing. Apart from Christ, I'm not married to my wife, I can tell you that. Apart from Christ, I am a nothing but a big mess. I always tell everybody, my life's nothing but a pile of mercy. But with Christ, I'm finding my life. So today, today, come on, you guys. How many lives you got? I got one. And see, and every time I say yes to the things of man, you know what that does? That affects the people in my life. It affects my wife. It affects my kids. It affects you. And you affect me and the people sitting next to you. When are we going to say no to the things of this world and say yes to God and lose our life and take up our cross and deny ourselves and let the living Christ come in, forgive us of all of our sin, and empower us to live a life of love? When are we going to do that? What does the world need? A bunch of selfish people? Are you kidding me? The world needs people who stand for what's right who will fight for injustice, who will fight for things that are good, 
The world needs people who are empowered beyond themselves with the living God. Why are you here? Come on. You are here to walk with God. So, Father, right here, right now, please just pour your grace into this place here right now and help us to stop playing this game with our lives, with our families and our marriages. And I just pray that you would just, the other thing Jesus, the scriptures tell us, you, you came to defeat the work of the enemy. Well, he's doing a great job lying to us. He's getting us to doubt your existence. He's getting us to doubt your love, that you don't really care for us. He's getting us to believe that we should be in control and we should do our own things. He gives us the mind of men. And that's when you looked at him and say, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God. God, would you give us the mind of God? Today, would you help us to know if we're ever going to find why we're here and what our purpose is, it's only going to come by saying yes to you. Yes, God, I will deny myself. Yes, God. Yes, I will lose my life so I can find it. And Lord, maybe even today, you would help some of us in this room find our life. Would you give us the power and the grace through Christ to make the decision to say yes? We need you. We need you. We know you know that. And I just pray you'd move today in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the deal, you guys. Why would we do this? Why? Why aren't we doing this? Maybe that's a better question. Why are we not finding our lives? Especially even though all of us were Christians. <laughs> Come on, we got a lot of Christians in here, right? All of us who still struggle to actually follow Christ. And, and why? I think one of the main reasons is, you guys, is because we struggle to believe that he really loves us. Really. In the Bible, when it says, man, give yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, it starts off by saying, in view of his great mercy, in view of his amazing love, in view of this God who would say, listen, you know what? I know you don't care about me, but I'm going to go and I'm going to be killed for you. I'm going to lay my life out for you so you don't have to. And I'm going to rise again so you could live. This God who loves us this much, and that's what we're going to do, Mike and the team, just going to give us a chance in this last 15 minutes to just get our hearts to this place to remind ourselves, oh God, whoa, what was I thinking? Why was I thinking you didn't love me? Why was I thinking it'd be better for me to be in control? And this is what worship is. This is your chance to get your heart engaged with God and sing the truth about who he is so you might have what it takes to say yes to him today. And we're going to take our offering right now. And this, was, this is a perfect time. You, again, it's not about the money, you guys. When the bag comes by, it's about you. And if you, are, if you came prepared to give today, when you give the offering, say, man, this is my life. I'm saying yes to God. It's not about money. If you're visiting with us, don't worry about it. We're not here for your money. This is, this is a chance for you to respond to God. If you want to give out of love, then that's why you give. That's the only reason you give, okay? But more importantly, right now, if God is asking you to say yes to him, would you battle the voice that's saying no, <laughs> never, and ask Jesus to come and give you the strength to live the way he lived, always loving the Father? and doing exactly what he said to do. And you know what? I'm going to be down here for these 15 minutes. 
if you need someone to pray with you over whatever, over your struggle in this battle, I'd love to do that. I'm sure others would do that as well. But let's engage with God, soak in his love, and get ready to live the life we were created to live. Let's do it.